Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Northwest Arkansas, Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas. Big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited for a lot of reasons today that I'm sitting here having this particular podcast episode. I'm getting to sit with someone that I've actually known since they were, I think, under 10. Yeah, I I think so. I remember her walking around at her dad's house. We had a Christmas holiday party. And uh, for those of you that that have listened to this podcast for any length of time, you all know that the reason why I'm in Northwest Arkansas is a, is a man named Mark Zweig, who is a very dear friend of mine. And I really feel old when I say we've literally been friends for 26 years. That's crazy. And so I'm sitting here with his lovely daughter, Christy Zweig Niehaus. And Christy is the proprietor of Always August Farm and a new company called Stable Business. 
the cool thing about it is that when I moved here to Northwest Arkansas, I got to really, I mean, I knew Christy, but I got to really spend time with her in her adult years because we were colleagues. We were coworkers at Zwei Group. We were based originally on, I think, on Trenton Avenue over there by Wilson Park. And then we moved up to 1200 North College, which Zweig doesn't even own anymore. And then Zweig is now based right on North Block Avenue, right across the street from where my office is. So life is like that sometimes. But the long and short of it is that I've literally known this young lady since the beginning, and I've had a chance to to witness her ascent in so many different ways. And I'm really excited to sit with her today and talk about her business and some of the things that she's done. This episode is important for a lot of you that are when you want to start something, whether it's a business or anything else, a lot of times we're looking for quick wins, but we're also looking to just achieve all of our results instantly overnight, right? And there's no such thing as an overnight success. And I have personally had a chance, at least in the last eight years, to witness the time and effort and work that Christy has put into running her farm, Always August Farm. I remember when we first got here, she had my wife and the kids over to her farm. The boys got to ride horses and and uh, just it was, you know, it was a new experience for kids that were raised in Boston. And so it was a lot of fun. And so I'm just excited for a lot of reasons to have this conversation today, because I think a lot of you that are listening to this, there'll be some things that you can take away from this conversation that will help you, whether you're starting a business, whether you're thinking about pivoting in your career. I think this is just a worthy conversation to listen to, and you may want to rewind it and listen again. So without further ado, I want to welcome Christy Zweig Niehaus to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. And we've actually done a podcast together before on the Zweig Letter podcast. Yes, we did. Which Long was time a, ago. Yeah, which was a podcast that I still do for Zweig Group. And so, yeah, I don't let any grass grow under my feet when it comes to podcasting, but Certainly, I'm excited to just kind of talk with you today. I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your superhero origin story with our audience. Tell them who Christy Zweig Niehaus is, and then we'll get into Always August Farm and stable business and inventing. And, you know, if you have a son or a daughter that's into riding horses, this is the podcast episode that you need to listen to over and over again. So, but Christy, go ahead and just, just give us a little bit about your background. Well, When I first met you, I grew up right outside of Boston, Massachusetts, and I think I was probably about nine years old when I got to take my very first riding lesson. Went over, um, we actually had moved from one town to a different town and kind of reconnected with a friend, and I went and watched her lesson, and I think I watched it and I was like, yeah, this is really cool. This is something I want to do more of. I, I think like most little girls, you know, I was into horses and loved animals, but for some reason, it sort of infected me and it just never left. So... First, I you know started taking a once a week lesson, and I would say by the next year I was leasing a horse and then owned a horse, and then by the time I was in middle school and high school, you know going to the barn was something that I did every single day after school. It absolutely was my passion, and then for whatever reason, although I kept trying to take a few breaks, it kept being something that was a huge part of my life, and I never wanted to lose. So even I kept riding through college. Um, First, I went to the University of South Carolina. And then when I transferred here to the University of Arkansas, I also kept it up here through various methods. And now here I am today, 36 years old, and I probably still have as much passion for it or more than your average 10-year-old girl. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And and it's certainly, as you were kind of relating to me, the lifespan of 
people's involvement in eventing and, and doing this, right? Because it's one thing just to own a farm where you have some farm animals and horses are one of those. It's a whole nother thing to have a horse farm where, you know, you you stable them, you raise them. I mean, you you see the whole evolution of the life of, of a horse from that perspective. So you you have a much different relationship and experience with, with those animals. Yeah, absolutely. And the farm that I have today is based on boarding and training. So we keep horses that other people own for them because obviously most people can't keep a horse in their backyard. Right. Um, and also we have a training program so people come for lessons. You also can bring your horse for training. And it is, I would say, sports-based in that I do a particular sport. It's called eventing. And we also do a lot of jumpers, which is basically one of those three phases that make up the sport of eventing. So, so, it is so tell me about the three phases. Yeah. So eventing originally was started by the military. It actually was like a series of cavalry tests. And now it's evolved into the sport that it is today. It is an Olympic sport currently. And what it is, is that it's one rider and horse combination. So you don't get to switch horses in between. You do three different phases. The first is called dressage, which is riding a pattern on the flat. So no, no obstacles that you're going over or around. You're riding different movements at letters. Then the second is typically you'll go out on what's called cross country. So that's like galloping through fields and woods over solid obstacles that don't come down. And okay. then the third is show jumping. And there's also a sport that's just pure show jumping. And that's jumps in an arena that have the poles that fall down if you hit them. Right, right. And so what's really cool about the sport of eventing is you have to have a really good partnership with your horse because you have to be very versatile and be able to do all three of those things versus you can't just switch your horse in between and get a horse that's really good, you know, at the dressage portion, but maybe not quite such a good show jumper. So the horse that whatever horse that you use has to be versatile. Absolutely. Yeah. And okay. extremely well trained. And you have to have a really good partnership with them. And that's really what I work on at the farm, you know, with most of the people that ride there is we're working on communication between you and your horse. Yeah. And so a lot of our, you know, our whole training program is all about trying to find the most effective way to communicate with your horse. And then also a lot of it is also about building fitness and building all those different skills that you're going to need to do those three different phases. Yeah. Now, was Christopher Reeves Superman, was he in eventing yes, when he, he got injured? Yeah. Okay. I thought as much. So why well, I only say all that to say, yeah, there's some famous people that have taken up eventing and it's not necessarily an easy sport. No, it's not. And it is dangerous. <laughs> and I don't want to gloss over that fact. I will say, especially in recent years, the sport has done a lot to try to improve its safety through different committees and using different technology, implementing them on the jumps, even the solid jumps. They now have things that are called frangible devices so that if you hit a jump, it's going to come down underneath you. So your horse is less likely to fall and rotate over it. And I think there's been a big movement also just about education and preparing yourself. What's great about the sport and part of the reason that I think it's a little bit addictive is that there's so many different levels to it. So as you, you know, if you are interested in eventing, you're typically going to start off at the very, very lowest level. Yeah. And then as you are proficient at each level, you can choose to move up. Now, as you get towards the upper levels of the sport, you actually have to have qualifications. You have to complete a certain number of events with without having penalties, you know, meeting certain score requirements. So they're trying to make sure that you are going to be as safe as possible as you move up to that next level, because it does increase in difficulty and probably danger level as you go up those levels. 
Yeah, no, it, there, I mean, there's a lot involved with this. And I mean, I, I certainly would encourage anyone that wants to learn more about, about eventing to connect with Christy, because the one thing that I remember when I first moved out here and, and got kind of reacquainted with you and, and saw how busy you were, I was like, man, you were you were actually not only were you working in corporate America, but you were running a business, right? Always August Farm is a business. You board horses there. You manage the process. You you do a lot of work there. And I, I was always amazed that you were able to manage the two, right? Because it's hard in corporate America and you had, you've had a lot of success, but you've also had a lot of success with the business and with eventing. How were you able to kind of navigate those two paths simultaneously? Well, I'm not sure I always did the best job, but I certainly tried. I think it really was just such a slow build. So I moved here to Arkansas to go to college and I bought a little house downtown and then actually ended up becoming a real estate agent right after I graduated <laughs> with my first degree and my bachelor's degree from yep. U of A. And so because of that, some properties sort of came across my radar and I found this little place out on the top of Lake Sequoia that had some more land and, and had a little barn and some things like that. So that kind of was a logical next step for me. I think everybody always dreams you know, if you're into horses, usually you want to keep your horses at home at some point. That's kind of the dream. And so very quickly, I realized, okay, well, if I take on one or two boarders, or that's a good way for me to sort of subsidize my own horse habit. Yeah. So I had one or two horses, and then I picked up one or two boarders. So I'm just taking care of a couple extra horses in addition to mine. That's not so hard to navigate. Well, then, you know, what happens is you start going to a few shows and people say, oh, you're not so bad. Hey, would you mind teaching my kids some lessons? So right. then from that, I picked up a couple people that I'm teaching some lessons. And from there, it just sort of grew naturally into what it is now. So eventually what I outgrew that property. It only had a little bit under eight acres. And I purchased another property off of Haberton, which is where I am now, with 13 acres. It was just a lot more usable land. The topography is much better and the soil quality and things like that. And by that point, I realized I really did have to start thinking about it from a business mindset in order to do what I wanted to do, to have the kind of facility that I wanted to be able to ride at. Right. I was going to have to subsidize that with some activities, you know, with boarding and training. Sure. And it really was in a lot of ways, just word of mouth where people are enjoying being able to come out to the farm and ride their horse and they're having a good experience and they hear and see how the horses are cared for and they like that. And then I just the phone just kept ringing and ringing. And so I just sort of kept slowly growing it. And so now we have almost uh, 24 acres. And 20, really? Yeah. 20 oh, you expanded, I didn't realize you expanded. Absolutely. That. Okay. Yeah. So my initial, initially we bought 13 acres and then we bought an additional 10.33. That, that, that's just connected. Yeah. To it's that. just connected. Okay. So that's, you know, when we did that, that's when I realized, okay, I've got to really make some significant improvements in order to be able to finance all that out. So we built a giant covered arena, which is what everybody knows us for now. Sure. Which also allowed me to be able to continue to teach and people be able to ride, you know, in the evenings. It has great lights. And also in, in inclement weather, we have a little bit of a better place to ride. Now I'm feeling bad because clearly the pen, I used to come out to your place quite a bit, but that was pre-pandemic. Yes. So clearly a lot of the, a lot of things have happened at Always August Farm that I need to come out and check out for myself. So, and I will say the pandemic was quite a tipping point. So I guess two things sort of happened right before the pandemic. I was injured in a horse related accident and which I, happens. yeah, which is, it does happen. And so I kind of put out there, I think I put something on Facebook where I said, Hey, you know, I'm going to be not riding quite as much. So I'll take a few people on to coach. So I'll do a little bit more teaching. 
And that had a much larger response than I think I initially <laughs> anticipated. And then, you know, we signed on to buy that additional property and do those improvements. And then basically when COVID happened, now suddenly everybody was working from home yeah. and kids were out of school and had more free time. I also was then able to work from home, which allowed me to have greater flexibility in the hours that I was working. Right. So my business almost just doubled overnight. People that were taking one lesson said, well, let's take two. And then they want to bring a friend. And so then I have even more. And I think it was just a great, safe outdoor activity for everybody to be involved in. And everybody suddenly had more flexibility in their schedule. Man. So during that time, I was working quite a few hours. I mean, seven days a week, just 13 plus hours a day. You know, I'd get up early and feed the horses, maybe teach a lesson or ride a horse, go back in, do some Zoom meetings you know, try to work all day, go back out at lunch, check on the horses, do something with them for half an hour or an hour, then go back in, do more Zoom meetings, you know, do different things for work, come back out at four or five, feed the horses again, teach lessons until seven, eight at night, go back in, finish up more office work. I mean, it really was a pretty crazy and almost unsustainable schedule. <laughs> right. And, and rem remote work gave you that opportunity it really did. as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's almost like, I mean, I I tell people all the time, for some people, the pandemic was a blessing in disguise, right, for their lives specifically. Of course, we know the pandemic wasn't a blessing for anybody in terms of the havoc that it wrecked on families and so many lost lives. But for a lot of people, myself included, I was able to double down during the pandemic and really expand what I was doing, even with I Am Northwest Arkansas. But you did the same with Always August Farm. And so I think sometimes we have to find you know, when life gives you lemons and uh, you have to make lemonade and you made a lot of lemonade over that three year, three and a half year span and, and, and now look at the results of it. So you decided at some point you said, I can't do this any longer. I've got to decide what I'm going to do. And that that decision actually came recently, which I was surprised at because when I first heard the announcement, I was like, oh, man, we need to talk about this because. I just assumed you were going to do this a long time ago. And you finally, finally said, you know what, I'm going to take the plunge. And I think it's important for people to hear that because, you know, you didn't, quote unquote, give up your day job to do this. You had your day job and you had this. You basically had two jobs. Yeah. Maybe even three if you if you <laughs> include eventing in there, actual eventing, because you were in, you were performing as well as teaching as well as managing. Oh, yeah. So so there's all these there's all these aspects of it. But when I saw the announcement that you had, you know, said, you know what, I'm firmly moving over into this camp of I am going to be an entrepreneur. I've already started something. It's been around for a while. I'm just asking people that want to be a part of what I'm doing to raise their hands so that I can select you to be a part of what I'm doing here at Always August Farm. And oh, by the way, I'm also going to set up another side hustle or business called Stable Business, which is about the business. You want to describe what it is? Sure. Well, backing up a little bit, you know, my day job for Zwei Group and then afterwards I worked at Verdant Studio typically has been in marketing and research as well. And so I would say I've always had sort of an academic interest in addition to loving riding horses and caring for horses. I've always had sort of another side as well, which is I, I love working for clients. I love finding solutions to problems. Right. I love trying to help people make their processes be efficient and communicate what they're doing. And so I actually started the idea of that also back during the pandemic. I thought I'm sitting here looking at a lot of my peers sort of on the equine side 
That's people that own equine-related businesses, ones that sell tack and equipment, other people that have boarding and training stables, things like that. And a lot of these people haven't had any business education, which is exactly the same as sort of what we saw working at Zwei Group with a lot of architects and engineers are yeah. really good at designing buildings, but they're not so good at the business side of things. It's the same thing with horse people. Sure. So they're passionate about horses. They love horses. They love horse products or they love teaching or they love caring for horses, but they're not good at the business side of things, marketing themselves, figuring out how to set up a strategic plan, having goals, budgeting, communicating with their clients, all of that stuff. So I thought, why don't I just combine both things that I really like doing into one? I love talking about horses and I love working with horse people, but I'll just take some of the same business skills I had from my last job and see if I can apply that. And so, I'd, it, you know, it's still a very low key side hustle, I'd sure, say. It's sure. just there. And I'd love to be able to help people with those kind of things. Right. And, and like you said, I mean, it's not like you stumbled. Up, well, you did kind of stumble upon the fact that that is such a pain point for people in this industry. Right. Just like in any other industry. Yeah. You know, the individuals that are really good at what they do typically aren't good at everything. They're good at their main thing. Like, I'm great at podcasting, but don't ask me to to, to check your numbers because yeah. I don't do public math and that's just not my thing. But there is somebody out there that does and can help you through that process. And so I think it's important for people to understand that you being the podcast listener may have some skill sets or abilities that other people don't have. And you can kind of help them, you know, bridge the gap of understanding based on what their area of expertise is and what you bring to the table and can help them with. And so that's what that's what Christy is doing with a stable business and what she will continue to do with that. And on top of all that, always August Farm is kind of like the Petri dish where you're able to just try new things well, and, and, and I'll, experiment. I'll be <laughs> so. the first to say sometimes the cobbler's children have no shoes, shoes. <laughs> right. um, but I'm, I'm trying my best. And definitely one thing that I'm constantly doing is like constantly trying to optimize things at the farm. And that is everything from how can we most efficiently care for the horses? Like, do we need to slightly tweak our feeding routine, the order that we feed the horses or what, you know, what we're feeding and how we stack the buckets or what our processes are? Or do I need to move horses different areas of the farm so that things lay out more smoothly? Yeah. But then, you know, also I try to hold myself to a really high standard with, you know, communicating with my clients on that horse side, you know, communicating with the boarders and my lesson students about what I'm doing and why and what's going on and trying to sort of have a plan so that I'm not leaving people in the lurch. You know, I try to plan out my month every month as best I can when I'm having certain lessons of what horses I'm riding when. We always know what shows we're going to. You've got to make a schedule that helps both people and the horse get to that ultimate goal, Yeah, you know, so that they have had the right number of rides and the right kind of rides so that they're really well prepared. So, and I'd be curious to know, because again, this is an area that people are relocating to where they see farmland everywhere. You notice it when you land at XNA at our local airport. What is, just for people's edification and understanding, what is the horse stable slash eventing environment here in Northwest Arkansas specifically? I know what it is in other places, but yeah. what is it like here? What can people expect that might be relocating here and have a child that wants to do eventing or, or wants to border a horse or wants to even rent a horse? What is the environment like here? That's a big question. So I know, I know. when I first moved here, I would say this area is probably more traditionally Western. So there's 
I would say, two big camps that riding falls into. There's Western and there's English. Western is cowboys, saddle with a horn, barrel racing, reining. There's a million different disciplines that you can do on that side, just like the same with English. English is, you know, traditionally more European. It's that smaller saddle. It's dressage. It's jumpers. It's eventing. It's fox hunting, things like that. Yeah. But I would say the English side of things, even over the past 10 years, has really, really grown in this area. There's been some new people moved to the area, some new coaches and new farms get set up, and I've, I've seen it grow a lot. Eventing also has grown. Right now, I would say the biggest issue that we have as a sport or trying to participate in this sport in this area is that there's just no venues. So to do the sport, you really have to have a very particular venue with a large amount of space so you can do all three phases. So right now, being an eventer in this area, we've got to travel quite a lot. Our closest event is Kansas City. That's like three and a half to four hours away. Okay. Tyler, Texas has one. There is some good eventing starting up, you know, in Oklahoma. And then otherwise, we are definitely taking a few trips to the East Coast. So, you know, I'm going to go back to Georgia this weekend. Yeah, you've gone to Florida. Yeah, typically we have to go to Ocala or Aiken every winter so that we can get some good training in and get some better weather and lots of venues that are close in there. So there is still a lot of travel, but I would say when I started eventing, it was like me and one other person in this area. <laughs> really? And I would have to drive up to S- Springfield, Missouri or Kansas City to take a lesson. Were and you surprised at that, that there wasn't more just because of the land that was available? I think there just ha- there's just not enough people, you know, or there weren't enough people driving interest in having a real venue here. But now I would say, you know, especially with the team that I have, if we're going to an event, I went to one in Kansas City last weekend. We took seven horses. I think we've taken as many as 10. Wow. So it's really growing and spreading. And I've seen the jumper side of things grow a ton. I mean, there's quite a few other trainers now in this area that have very big and successful programs. Hmm. And they're also, again, you know, if you want to do jumpers at the USEF, you know, this United States event or United States Equestrian Foundation level. So, you know, at that high nationally rated level, then you're still going to have to travel. There's nothing right here locally in Northwest Arkansas. Whereas if we lived, you know, in Dallas, we'd have more options within an hour or two. I would imagine just given how this area continues to grow. I mean, we just added a a local soccer program that's going to open up in a couple of years that it's just a matter of time before a venue presents itself. Yeah, I hope so. And I've just especially the past now three years, just like what's happened with my program, I think everybody else's program has also expanded. We just had a lot of people move to the area too. I mean, we all know this is a great, very- 36 new people a day. It's amazing. It is amazing when you think of it. And I mean, you've seen it because you've been here for a minute. I've seen it in just in eight years that it's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So every day I marvel at that. So, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. So if you want to get into, you know, horseback riding in any way, shape or form, my advice would be this. Well, first of all, you know, if you've got a horse crazy kid, that's awesome. (laughs) But if you're an adult, I get a lot of adults that come to me that maybe rode when they were younger. Now their kids are at school and they have a little bit more time and they'd like to return to it. That's fine, too. You're really never too old to start. But you do have to, I would say, look around at a few different options and figure out what discipline it is that you want to do or what type of farm it is that you want to ride at. Yeah. There's a lot of different places now and people do have options. And it's not that there's one that's good and one that's bad. It just depends on what it is that you want to do. You know, if you want to have very relaxed rides, just trail riding, there's places that do that. If you want to ride with an instructor that's very goal oriented and it's going to be more like a fitness class, there's certain trainers and instructors that are going to run their program more like that. 
So there's options, but definitely the first step for anybody is go and take lessons. Do not buy a horse. You do not need to buy a horse for a long time. Let's repeat that. You do not need to buy a horse. Do not buy the horse. Yes. Take lessons. Take a weekly lesson. Take two lessons a week if you can. Once you're doing that and you're happy with where you're at and you've learned, you've learned a little bit about the horse care as well. Then the next step typically is leasing a horse. So usually you can find one at the barn you're at. By that point, hopefully you're working with a trainer or an instructor and they can then help you find a horse that's going to be suitable for your level and type of riding. And so a lease is sort of like purchasing a horse, but without the commitment. And so especially for a kid that's growing and very quickly may progress in both their physical size and riding ability, you don't necessarily want to commit to buying that horse right away because they may outgrow it in a year. Yeah. So a lease is usually a good option. And then if you can do that, that's sort of like a good entry. Then you need to start looking at buying a horse once once you're totally committed. Yeah. All in. Yeah. So how old were you when you bought your first horse? I was 10. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Because I remember it like because and you lived in Sherburne, Mass, which is kind of like a bedroom community of, of, of Boston and near where Zweig, at the time, Zweig White and Associates office was in Natick because I lived in Natick. But. Was your horse boarded in Sherburne? Yes. It was. Okay. All right. So very cool. Yeah, that that's, um, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, what the benefit that you have here in Northwest Arkansas or in Arkansas period is that you've got land, you've got space. There are all kinds of options that you didn't quite have the same in the Northeast or in New England. So. Yeah, I would say it's different here because boarding is going to be more affordable than it is in yeah. the Northeast. But likewise... Like I just said, there's less rated competition venues. There's still less trainers. You know, you have a little bit more of a limited selection, especially if you want to look into sort of the English side of riding things. Yeah. And then eventually, if you do want to show or do things like that, you're going to spend a lot of time on the road. Yeah. Well, but I mean, again, that to me just smacks of opportunity. Yeah. Right. I mean, it just gives you a chance to really do some new things in this area. So and speaking of this area, how has the Northwest Arkansas community responded to always August Farm and and what you've been able to offer? I think really very favorably. What's nice about what we have now is that all around us, subdivisions and new homes are going up, which is, it's great to see the development, but we've been able to preserve a lot of our land for grazing horses and riding on. So it's nice on the street. There's sort of a big chunk of land with horses on it. We also took an old barn that was decaying and literally roof panels were falling off it and blowing into the street and we fixed it up. (laughs) So it's kind of like a local landmark and there's actually horses in there now and we have a tack room area in there. So that's pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. So you get, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot going on as far as that's concerned. And I, I like I said, I, I'm going to have to get back out to the farm and, and check out some of the expansion that you've done because I'm sure it, it looks really cool. Have you been able to partner or collaborate with any other local businesses or organizations and Always August Farm? Well, I work. Regularly with our Northwest Arkansas Hunter Jumper Association, we attend their shows and they've also used our facility to host a clinic. They did that this past spring. Okay. And then we've also hosted a show for the Northwest Arkansas Dressage Club. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you've been through a lot, Christy, and you're still young. But my question for you, one question that I have specifically in, in all of this, and granted, you've just recently, as I would like to say, gone all in on Always August Farm. What have you learned about yourself through this endeavor? Oh, man. Well, I would say 
when I started making that decision to go from holding, you know, a more traditional office or corporate job to just basically managing the horse farm training and teaching, I realized that I was holding on to a lot of shame, like about making that choice. Because, you know, I went to school, I got a degree, I also have a master's degree. And I realized that I was a little bit afraid to put that out there to tell everybody, hey, you know, I'm, I'm making this change because I thought people would say, oh, well, you know, she never really was cut out for doing this job or she wasn't good enough or whatever. And I realized that was so silly. Mm. That was just absolutely my ego driving things. I have this incredible opportunity to do something that I know that I love. And even though it's lots of hard work, it's not at the end of the day, I still think, wow, I love doing this. This is what I'm supposed to do. And not that many people, I guess, ever, not everybody gets to experience that. I think a lot of people go through life without ever having some big sort of overwhelming passion. Sure. And it, it's certainly not all butterflies and, yeah. and great all the time. I mean, it's hard and hot work. And there's a lot of frustrations when I think you like doing something and want to be good at doing something and you aren't always. Yeah. But I realize that's sort of a very unique gift to be able to do something that you love every day like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and, and I'm curious to know, and, and again, because I know you, but I'm, I'm going to ask you this question anyway. I mean, having a dad that has had so much success in business, is there any pressure with that? And again, for those of you that, for the uninitiated, if you don't know who Mark Zweig is, you need to look him up, but he's He's the real deal. I call him a business savant when it comes to running a business. He legitimately could look at your business and give you some clear-cut things that you should do. Now, whether or not you choose to take his advice, that's a whole nother conversation. But Mark has had more success than most people will have in a lifetime when it comes to their business. He's taken multiple firms to the Inc. 500 list. Now, remember, Inc. Magazine now does an Inc. 5000 list. So there's 5,000 companies. Back in the day when I worked with Mark at Zweig White & Associates, we were on the Inc. 500 list, which was the 500 fastest growing firms in the United States, two years in a row. And then he did it again with Zweig Group in 2013, and that was the Inc. 5,000 list. And then he did it with another company. So he's had a lot of success. And I know I would be somewhat intimidated by that and be like, man, I can't match up to what he's been able to do. But how did you manage that? Well, I think this is something that's so different in that it's not going to be quite as scalable as a traditional business and things like that. But I think one thing that I really got from him, whether I knew this overtly or not, was this sort of sense of if I'm doing something, I really do want to be the best. And I just incessantly do want to keep keep making it bigger and keep making it better and keep optimizing and keep making that experience better for everybody that I deal with. Right. But I really do want to do it. I want to do it for the horses. Like at the end <laughs> of the day, I still am just a girl who really loves horses and I want to have a really great place for them to be. Yeah. And I want to be a really good competitor too. So that's a drive that I guess I got from him where I go out there and I compete and I want to do well. Yeah. And I just, it's, constant learning about thinking about all the different ways that I can try to improve myself and improve this facility that I have so that I'm able to do that. Yeah, I love that. And and it's it's kind of cool when you can create something around your passion, right? Around the thing that, that really kind of gets you up in the morning and gets you going. So it just makes it that much easier. And I tell people all the time because people are like, oh my God, I can't believe you record podcasts so much. And I'm like, listen, podcasting to me is like breathing. Like I literally like I don't do it every day because I need to have some separation 
between that and everything else that I do. And I have to have some semblance of organization in terms of how I do my podcasting. But everybody that knows me that knows Monday and Tuesday, those are my days. I, I could be podcasting all day or maybe just once a day. Like today is just one time today, but it's fine. But I love it. And there's no other place I would rather be than behind this mic, talking to other people, learning about them, and sharing a platform where they can tell stories that help to edify their journey in life. I think it's important. So, but anyway, all right. So what are some of the future plans for Always August Farm? I mean, I know, again, you're just in this new phase of things where you've moved out of corporate America. You're on to some new things that that are what I would say Christie centric, <laughs> but what are some of your plans for the future for Always August Farm? Well, we are about to break ground on another new barn. Okay, um, so we we just sort of ran out of nice indoor space for the horses, and I wanted to have something better going into the winter. We've we've added some horses to the farm, so that's going to be great, and it also is going to have a bathroom for everybody and a heated viewing area, so people's parents and relatives, whoever comes to watch lessons. We'll have a little better space to hang out. Yeah. And then I think I just really am going to continue to try to improve the facility specifically for eventing. So we're always adding to the cross-country course. Uh, this past year, we added a, a little bank complex and a water jump, which the, we really didn't have anything like that to practice around here. And I want to keep adding to those questions so that more people will want to come in um, and use that facility so that they can practice with their horses. Yeah, I love that. And so... And then are there, what about stable business? Anything in particular, or are you just kind of taking that one day at a time? I think it's still pretty new and it's really just one day at a time. I would love to get a few clients over there and see what I can do, start sort of building my resume yeah. in that way. So, and then if anybody's listening to this, that's like, you know, I want to, I love horses. I love eventing, but I don't live in Northwest Arkansas, but I'm thinking about moving to Northwest Arkansas. Can they contact you to just get some more insight and understanding about what they can expect when moving here? Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, I definitely operate under the, I would say, belief that there's more than enough to go around over here. So a lot of times if somebody contacts me, I'm like, listen, I'm really busy right now, or I don't have enough space to take on another horse. If they want to bring a horse over, I'll give them the names of everybody else that I know and try to help them out as best I can. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, and I, it strikes me that that space is, is very, sharing, right? Where it's like people aren't keeping everything close to the vest. It's like there's a lot of communication among a lot of different organizations that are there. Yeah. I, I think that in certain parts of the country, and there are certainly, you know, as with anything, people can get really competitive with each other. But, you know, here and now and with the friends that I have, the reason that I have what I've been able to build so far is because I've been able to learn from everybody else around me. I've been able to learn from the different farms and how they work and what works for them and have some great mentors and other trainers that I talk to. And I try to learn from other trainers every time I get to go to a competition and see what they're doing and how they manage their clients and being able to have those conversations. And that's, yeah, that's huge. I love that. And then finally, just as we wrap this up, any final words of advice for our listeners and especially somebody that might be contemplating a similar life change like you just went through. I think that you'll know when the time is right, but sometimes you do just sort of have to make that jump. Right. Um, no pun intended. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so. And I think just you got to go for it, but you also have to have a plan. So I was lucky in having that business education that I was able to sit down and look at all my numbers and 
see, is this really feasible? And what is it going to take to make it feasible? Yeah. You know, I knew that I was able to continue. I wanted to be able to continue the same way of life. And, you know, I have a family. We've got to be able to pay the mortgage. We've got to be able to pay our utility bills and we've right. got to be able to eat. Yeah. So those things have to happen. So if you aren't able to do that yourself, sit down with somebody else, find a resource where you can. We've got some great resources here in Northwest Arkansas. Of course, yeah. yeah for, I mean, there's for, like startup junkie. I exactly. Mean, you, listen, it doesn't matter what type of business that you want to do. There are consultants and those that are experienced and have been through this. The ASB TDC with the University of Arkansas. I know it's Alphabet Soup, but they do great work with startup businesses, Brewer Entrepreneurship Hub. I mean, there's just a lot of options that are available to you. And it's certainly if you're thinking about getting into the business that Christy's in or just need some guidance or help, Christy would be an, a tremendous resource for you. How can people, if they want to reach you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, you can check out my website. That's www.alwaysaugustfarm.com or any of my social media ha handles. I've got an Instagram and Facebook as well under Always August Farm. Okay, perfect. Um, we will be sure to put all of that online on our show notes so that if you want to get in touch with Christy and learn more about what she's doing, or maybe you want to bring your child up to Always August Farm to, to ride a horse or something along those lines, definitely you'll be able to do that. So all the information will be on the show notes that will be at IamNorthwestArkansas.com. Christy Zweig Niehaus, thank you so much. This has been a real treat. And in my head, I can see you in that house in Sherburne when we had that get together. And I just can't believe how long ago that was. I'm feeling super old right now, but I'm also super satisfied to see how great of an individual you have become. And um, certainly I'm not surprised between you and your sister and the rest of your family. I wish you nothing but continued success in everything that you guys do. But thank you for joining us here on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. To learn more about us or to read or download the show notes from today's episode, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. You can listen to this podcast and sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Sign up today. You can also subscribe to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it. And please, please, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Remember, our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week for another new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.